morning, everybody. So I'm going to carry on with my theme of um, covert narcissistic mothers and how they devalue their children. I probably will mostly talk about how covert narcissistic mothers devalue their daughters. That's actually much more common. It's much more common for narcissistic fathers to devalue their sons and narcissistic mothers to devalue their daughters. There's a gender thing in there. Um, there's a comp competitiveness sort of pathology around it. Um, there's obviously a jealousy agenda, but uh, territorial animalistic stuff. But uh, I am not remotely qualified enough to talk about that um, at the moment. And um, although I will research that uh, and come back to you guys on a later date. But today's podcast is about narcissistic mothers and how they covert narcissistic mothers and how they devalue now devaluation i have uh, obviously because i i specialize in uh, casanova psychopaths which is the male somatic narcissist the overt male somatic narcissist and uh, intimate relationships i do specialize in that it's 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 the area i have the most personal experience in um and the most insight on i think i feel as though it's something just makes sense when I'm researching these types of men and how they they uh, hate and abuse women. Um, and I have obviously written three books on it and those three books are on sale now. If you put L.W. Hawksby into the search bar on Amazon or any good book site, I think I'm on about 51 different sites around the world. Um, but the narcissistic mother stuff is rare. Um, I think it's important. And um, I did have a narcissistic mother and she was, she was, she would swither between covert and overt. Um, she was, alcohol tended to play a part when my dad was having an affair. When she felt powerless, my mother was an overt narcissist. When she felt powerful, she was a covert narcissist. And I don't think that that's unusual. That's actually just struck me just there, actually. Um, and I think I've got a friend listening to this just now who's also going to be going, yes! Because <laughs> um, we talk quite a lot about our narcissistic mothers. Um, and the devaluation phase is is it's not really a phase with narcissistic mothers because obviously you're stuck with them for life until they die or you do um and most of us don't go no contact and most of us just try grey rock with them so we kind of stuck with them forever so I, I don't really like calling it a devaluation phase with um narcissistic mothers um the same as it is with a narcissist partner because you're not you know most of us don't put up with it for that for life you know um but the devaluation phase tends to be the biggest chunkiest part of the uh, abusive relationship it tends to last the longest it's got the most variety in it and it has it has periods of highs and lows and it tends to escalate it's got a lot of depth a lot of breadth the devaluation phase and the word devalue is basically it and it's taking you, you down it's reducing you reducing every part of you who you are as a unique individual who you are um, as a sibling, as a sister, as a daughter, as an individual woman, as a person, it devalues your sense of um, your esteem, your confidence, your hopes and dreams, your career aspirations, your um, even can devalue how you dress. They can devalue how you want to dress, how you look, how you have your relationships. And narcissistic mothers will devalue um, their daughters in multiple many 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 ways and they'll go back to some that work they'll they'll repeat behaviors whatever feels like it works for them they'll do again and again and they might even amp it up um narcissistic mothers will devalue 
a daughter from the point at which what will set the, this turn of events off we were just talking about it me and my friend um um another friend actually my friend in australia the shame spiral so tends to be the shame spiral that triggers the devaluation phase in a narcissist any type of narcissist from rejection to um, putting them in their place to putting up boundaries to you simply being fantastic or you being that something that they are jealous of and they um that makes them feel insecure and that this that spiraling makes the narcissist devalue because it makes them feel in control it makes them feel powerful um it makes them feel above you in and it makes them feel safe and nobody's going to stop doing something that makes them feel safe if they they tend to generally feel unsafe the difference between normals and narcissists is that normals when we don't feel safe we'll go through the normal routes to feel safe again narcissists are pathologically shame avoidant and they are hunters and they are pathologically jealous and insecure so they will do anything to feel safe and often those things that they will do will be abusive or neglectful bullying and nasty so the narcissist has to devalue you once you've triggered their shame spiral and I triggered my mother's shame spiral when I was about I think I was about 11 I did a podcast previous to this which gives you my timeline of the my narcissistic mother from being a little girl so sort of six seven eight up, upwards and the process that my mother took me through with her um, different types of neglect and abuses as a, as a covert narcissistic mother. I'm just going to take a drink of coffee. Um, so if you want that in more detail, please listen to that. It's a couple of days ago I did that. I tried to do a podcast every day. But the I think it was about 11. And what was purely, what mainly did it, that I feel I was part of, that I saw and was my mother yet again, was adamant that again today, that day, I was going to dress like a fucking frumpy middle-aged old woman. And being 11 years old, it was a bit of a no-go for me. And I'd been, we were in Sheffield at my my dad's mum's. So my mother will have already been uptight. She hated her mother-in-law. Although I never actually gathered much reason why, but never mind. Um, she hated my nanan. Um, and we were staying there, so she'll have been uptight staying there. Um, making my dad's my dad miserable and picking up on every little nuance that she thought my nanan was getting at her and things like that. And my cousin was there. My cousin and I are only two weeks apart, so there was a, there wasn't any competitiveness. We were actually very close at the time. And my cousin had like she always wore what everybody else wore, right? She always had shell suits and jeans and hoodies with Minnie Mouse on, and she always had long hair. Um, I think she had her ears pierced. She had the pink trainers and she had the purple trainers with the gold on and things like that. She was just a typical working class little girl. I know we were middle class, but when you're surrounded by working class kids, you want to be like them, you want to dress like them. You know, it's not like now where individuality is actually really celebrated. It just wasn't like that in the 80s and 90s and the noughties at all. In fact, I was talking about that with my little boy yesterday. And... I, my mum was gearing up for the usual, it was a black, I can remember it starkly, it was a black corduroy skirt just past the knee with little red roses on and it was a sweater, like a, a sweater, like you would buy in a charity shop now, you know, but my mum obviously bought them brand new, expensive, like a kind of Aaron jumper, tights, always tights, never had bare legs, 
and little boots. And I was just like, I remember having a massive tantrum. <laughs> we were going into Sheffield City Centre and I was hype, becoming hyper-conscious of, of, of who I was. And I was embarrassed to dress like this, right? And for once, I said no, and I screamed and shouted. I ran up the stairs. I don't remember why I was downstairs. I was probably downstairs trying to say to my mum, I really don't want to wear this, mum. I'm embarrassed. Um, and um, she, and then she's, I've probably stormed off because she wasn't listening. And then I've ended up upstairs and I've said, I'm not, I said, I'm not, I, think, I don't know if I swore, but I know I definitely said, I'm not wearing it. It's just not happening. I'm not going to town then. I won't be going to town. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Boom. And that was the first time I can recall and I'm more than, very, very honest, I can recall having a tantrum um, and putting boundaries up and saying no. And I stormed into the bedroom that I used to stay in and I was really, really upset. And I can remember my mum saying, she's never been like that before. And I hadn't. Um, and it was, it was from then. It was from then that my mum saw me as trouble, difficult, problematic, a manipulator, a bully. Um, she saw me, this is how she would describe me to people. She saw me as hard work. All my mum had to do, she should have preempted that as a decent mother would preempt that like I did with my, I've done with my kids. You preempt it and she shouldn't have been putting me in those clothes from about six, <laughs> seven years old. Um, but she didn't have that intuition, that empathy. She didn't have that respect for me. She didn't she wasn't a good mum that way. She just didn't get it. Um, and it was from then that the devaluation began and there was a, a new narrative around me, a completely new narrative. I wasn't cute, funny, sweet little Lucy anymore. I was trouble. I was a problem. Um, I had tantrums. I had anger problems, you know, it was from that point. And uh, narcissistic mothers will, will do that and they, they will not have any issues with saying that stuff around other people, around you. So I would hear my mum talking about me, 11, 12, 13, to her friends on the phone, to family on the phone, to my dad, to the nannies, because we still had nannies. We had nannies a little bit around about that stage. I think it was sort of, I think about one more year. It was a little, our last nanny was a lady called Helen. And yes, my dad did make a pass at her. She remained a family friend for years and years and years and years, actually, um, because my, she said no. I think she was the only one that said no. She said no and she resigned and she went back to Oxford. Um, uh, but uh, she, yeah, I would hear my mum talk. And the narrative just completely changed. And that's that's the devaluation phase is, is lifted off. And a narcissistic mother cannot go back on that. She can't change her mind, not only because they're innately stubborn, but because if my mother then said, actually not, listen, reflected on it and said, actually, Lucy was actually a really good kid at 11 and 12. I kind of... I made a bit of a drama around it. She was just like normal little girls. She just wanted to dress like other little girls and have long hair like little girls and play like little girls and go out like other little girls. I was really hard on her. I didn't really know what I was doing. For my mum to have said all that, she would have had to have felt empathy and awareness, which not narcissists don't, but she would have had to have hit another shame spiral, which is just narcissists will do anything to avoid shame. So she couldn't. So she started doing covertly and, uh, sorry, consciously and subconsciously was devaluing me. So I did start to act like that. It's all about pushing and needling and, and grooming you to be the way the narcissist wants you to be or needs you to be, to feel right, to be right. And to be, at it, from that point of view, once they're right, they're in control. People respect their opinions. You're no longer a threat. You're no longer 
um, in need of their love or in need of their loyalty because you're a little bitch. You're a troublemaker. Why should she love you? Why should she care for you? Why should she buy you the clothes that you want You want or you need? Why, why should she help you with boyfriends and bullying at school? Why should she? Because you're a trouble. You've always been trouble. Been trouble since you were a little girl. That's the narrative. Um, other parts of the devaluation phase will be that she'll devalue you to other people so that other people devalue you. Other people form opinions on you. Um, and like I say, she would even as we became women and grown adults, my mum started playing my cousin off against me. My mother would groom my cousin, take my cousin up to Mull and have my cousin staying in that her fancy expensive suite in the house, which I never got to stay in. Why would my cousin stay in it but not me? And that was to create arguments. So that then I would I would fall out with my cousin, because they it's very much divide and conquer is devaluation with narcissistic mothers. Same as it is with any narcissist, but we're talking about narcissistic mothers. Divide and conquer is critical for them. Um, and if you are um, connected or close to other people, the, the narcissistic mother will be viciously jealous. I went travelling with my brothers. We're well, not travelling, but we went away. One brother was going to. I can't remember if we met him there. My youngest, but this is when I still got on with my brothers, which my mother hated. So um, I got on with both my brothers right up until I was 30, which would have driven my mother fucking mental because she was obsessed with my little brother and codependent on my middle brother. And obviously I was a scapegoat. Um, but we were we were close enough to still go like a driving holiday around, ne never each other, we, East America. So we went all the way from, we did Washington, New York, all the way down to... Carolina. Don't think we quite got to South Carolina and then we went back through the mountains. So we did a stretch. And uh, when we announced this to my mother, she went, why can't I come? Like there was, there was, a, there was no beat between that. There was no beat between, oh, we think we're all going to go to America actually, because Sam's there for his medical conference and we think we might all go, why can't I come? That was my mother. There was no, oh, that's amazing. My kids all going away together. Oh, you have such a fantastic time. Like a normal mom. There was, why can't I come? There was like, uh, and we went, um, well, it was just kind of us, mom. Oh, she was, she stood up and walked away in a huff. Same as when my little brother met a girlfriend. She got up in the restaurant. She told him he didn't love her anymore. <laughs> she said, you don't love me anymore. <laughs> she said, you don't love me anymore because my little brother at 24 had met a girl. <laughs> the way she was you can't that's the way she was she was so lacking in awareness and selfish she couldn't handle it and it was very promptly after the trip to america that my brother divided me from my brothers because I, like i say in the other podcast she started setting up events that would turn my brothers against me and she was super successful because I didn't react very well to them. But to be honest with you, I don't react very well to bullies, um, as uh, my my police record will say. Um, yes. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, the devaluation, there's lots of stuff in there. There's, you know, bullying and nipping at you and go goading you and baiting you and turning you against other people and changing the narrative around who you are as a person your personality you, you don't have a personality you're not allowed one whatever personality you have the narcissistic mother will warp and twist and change into something horrible so you can be confident and she'll say that you are arrogant you can be funny and she'll say that you're um what's the word um 
you're nasty and your jokes aren't funny. You can be creative and she'll say you're lazy. You can be popular and she'll say that you're a slut. You know, narcissistic mothers will completely warp and twist anything you have that's unique about them and they will more often not target you because they wish they were like you. They wish that they were looked a certain way and were a certain way. And to, to go back to why my mother was like this, my mother was viciously spoiled. She was super, 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 super spoiled by my grandparents, my nana and grandpa. Um, very, very spoiled. She would say it herself. Um, she loved it. She reveled in it. She absolutely, she was, um, she was the baby of the family. So that was always going to be a fucking nightmare because so, she had two older brothers. But the flip side of that was the two older brothers bullied her. So there was resentment and then she felt unsafe. Then looks wise, my mother was always dumpy. She was about four foot 11 and she was dark haired and she was always dumpy. Um, she developed eating issues from quite a young age. She loved sweet things, bacon. And my nana was a baker. She loved things like that. So she always had a sweet tooth and she was dumpy and then she developed eating disorders. But she was also, um, which is quite sad, she was um, sexually harassed and on a few occasions abused by my uncle Colin, who was my great uncle Colin, sorry, who had form for it with kids in the local area. Um, so my mother had this dichotomy of childhood where there was this quite middle-class childhood, post-war years, which was quite unusual, um, very spoiled, wanted for nothing, beautiful clothes. And then, unfortunately, this vicious bullying from her brothers and sexual abuse. So that's what will often create people with borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder will be um, feeling unsafe in childhood, trauma, spoiling, neglect, abuse. And this, this perfect storm of contacts, um, which my mother was absolutely a victim of. Um, but she didn't have the self-awareness to look at all this. I, I do. Um, so that's how that's why when she then had a daughter, she wanted me to either be like her or I didn't exist. And because I was the opposite of my mom, I was quite tall, um, blonde hair, um, you know, slim, athletic, leggy, you know, a, a, I was only ever dumpy because, you know, teenage years and I, I ate too much, basically. <laughs> but my mother fed me. She was def definitely, just to say this last thing, from a devaluation point of view, the, the narcissistic mother will not help you with things that are you're struggling with. So they're not going to help you with bullying, problems with boys, insecurities. And my mother knew I was struggling with my weight, what well, you could see it. Um, it's just for a couple of years, really. But it's just typical puppy fat. But I was so self-aware and and because my mother had eating disorders and she was she was swither between being dumpy and really tiny like a little bird um i was very hyper aware of my body and my physicality um and i'd always been athletic and then of course i hit about i don't know actually there was a little phase when i was in my mid teens but that didn't last very long but um more my late teens and of course my mother didn't ever in fact she would bitch at me you know I absolutely loved my food. I still love my food. Um, my mum was a fabulous cook, home cook. Everything was fresh. But it was homemade chips every night and lamb chops. Who Anybody who knows me well enough knows that apart from eating a plant-based diet, I am a fucking sucker for lamb chops, <laughs> which I don't think are plant-based. Um, and she would pile it on the plate. There was no... And she'd go, Lucy, you really shouldn't eat that much. But she'd put it all on the plate. You know, there was... Um, there was just a lot of twistedness around that. And she knew I had an eating disorder. She knew I developed 
with bulimia and she did absolutely not, never spoke to me about it, never helped me with it, even though she was an active sufferer of bulimia herself. She was just, yeah. Um, so yeah, there you go, devaluation. This was a little bit of a haphazard podcast. I'm sorry. Um, I probably should have had my coffee before I did the podcast, but um, here it is. And um, could everybody please look at my YouTube channel? I am the I am the narcissist hunter on YouTube. I do coaching for people to help them um, understand and stay no contact from abusers, any type of abuser. Um, please do um, get in touch with me on Instagram. Um, I'm not very active on Twitter unless I'm narcissist hunting. <coughs> um, but uh, yeah, so thank you for looking at my books. Thank you for finding my YouTube and thank you for listening to these podcasts.